Hey, this is Kieran with Coach's Corner Chats, and on the episode, I have Adrian Parrish. Adrian, where are you at, and what are you up to? Uh, so, Kieran, thanks for having me on. Um, been uh, been a privilege to be on here. I've been following some of your guys' uh, podcasts and the people you've been having on, which is which is great. Um, but I am currently uh, just straight off the off the pitch with the FCC Cincinnati U13 s and U14 Academy teams. Uh, so I've been here. Uh, at uh, at the club, working with the academy since day one that it started uh, back in 2019. Uh, so working well, when I first came, I was with the system with the youth 17s, and now I am uh, working with the youth 13s, youth 14s, assisting a little bit with the U 19s, um, working with our affiliates, doing our discovery program. Uh, jack of all trades, I guess, as far as that's concerned, uh, Kieran, master of none. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, been uh, been here since 2019 with the club. 2020 full time. I was started as part time as I was um, working as the state technical director of Kentucky Youth Soccer before that as well. So, what does it look like at the U13, U14 level? at the FC Academy level, how is that maybe different than what a normal traveling or select setting would look like? You know what? It, and that's a great question because I think, listen, as coaches, we always want to aspire to, to know what it's even like to be working within a professional club environment. Right? I mean, it's, it's something that I think young coaches always should be aspiring to want to do, to want to learn. Um, and it, it's, it's a lot of work. You know, uh, there's a lot of work that you've got to put in. It's, you know, we hear even the top coaches that just say, hey, it's more than just the X's and O's. And it is a lot of work that you're putting in that, you know, sometimes I am here um, right now till, till later on in the evening. And sometimes these kids actually become my own children as well. You know, so you take on responsibilities and you wear different hats. And especially when you're working with um, with our younger players, the 13s and 14-year-olds, um, you know, they got so many egos in the way, right? Yet, Kieran, you know, that they're, they're still excited to learn. They want to be here for, working with you. And, that, you know, their, their goals and their dreams is to hopefully be playing uh, down at TQL Stadium one day. And, and I think one of the best things is about working with 13s and 14-year-olds and working with, you know, players that are younger in our discovery program is kids always dream better than what adults do, all right? And, and they have these dreams and they have their aspirations, and it's my job to help those dreams come true. It's not my job to help them win the trophies. It's not my job to help them win the games. And I always tell players when they first come to me, hey, guys, it's okay to lose. We're going to lose games because we're going to learn how to play the right way. And, you know, and as long as we're playing under our philosophy and under our style, I'm okay with that because that's what I want them to do. I want them to learn to, to, learn to play the game, to love the game. But also, yeah, it's okay to lose as long as we're learning from losing and we don't make losing a habit because you still, no matter what you're doing, even though I say, yeah, we're about development, we also want to be winning games. And so, but otherwise, what's the point of stepping on the, on the pitch? So, You mentioned youth players. Um, you're clearly not a Kentucky youth. So where were you as you were growing up? I tell people it's an Eastern Kentucky accent. You just got to go very far east. So uh, little, over a little bit of water. Uh, I am from Lincolnshire in, uh, in England, so I'm like the East Coast. Um, I started coaching at a very early age, uh, probably about 18, 19. Uh, I had a little bit of a, a youth career uh, as a, a, a pro club, a semi-professional club, and then started coaching, luckily, directly in a professional club, uh, which is uh, Grimsby Town. And so I'll have a little shout out for the old Mariners there as they are pushing for promotion out of the, uh, out of the conference to try and get back into the leagues. So, I mean, but, uh, but yeah, I was at Grimsby Town for four years doing like football in the community type of thing. And then uh, was probably, I think, one of the youngest, if not the youngest, working on the professional level there, working as the assistant uh, with the youth teams and working with what was the School of Excellence then as well. So, What been, was that experience at that professional level at that age? Um, and did you, well, first off, did you know at the age of 18 was coaching something that you were like, yes, this is what I want to go do. I want to coach at, over there football. 
Yeah. I, listen, I, I, I actually became a better player when I came to the US. I actually was a late developer as far as football is concerned. I actually had opportunities when I when I came here and started playing a little bit here. Um, when I was like 21, 22, I'd, you know, playing in the Virginia area um, and had opportunities to go for the trials at DC United as the MLS was starting. But I stuck with coaching. So, you know, there's, there's, everyone has a great pathway and a different pathway within the game, right? And I think... I. I've always enjoyed the coaching and people can say, oh, coaching is second best to playing. So I never really got the opportunity to play at the highest level. Um, so coaching was always something that, all right, I love the game. All right. I loved running, as you know. So I, I was actually a very a decent runner, but I always wanted to be in a sports environment. I always wanted to be in a professional sports environment. And I, I just always wanted to basically... I said that before that kids have great dreams. And I guess, cause I was such a young coach, I guess it was always my dream as well to be involved in coaching, you know, and, and coaching at the highest level possible. And, and I think young coaches can always aspire to that. And people can say, well, if you didn't play at the highest level, then you're not going to get to the highest level as, as, as a coach, which maybe, maybe not. I think that as a coach and we've listen. We've just hired Eric Lehigh here with our U19s. Eric's played at the international level. All right? He's played for Aston Villa, played for Nottingham Forest. But Eric will be one of the first people that will come to and say, hey, Adrian, I need to learn from you as well because you have been coaching within the game for such a long time. So you get these young professional players coming back that come out of the game that want to go into coaching. And I think that's another thing that I'm able to help them with because I did have some background within coaching education as well. So... Um, so yeah, it's just like I said, I, I'm lucky in some aspects, given that I've had so many different opportunities to affect so many different people in so many positive ways, you know. Was soccer a, a family religion when you were back home? No. <laughs> uh my mom still my mother still doesn't know the offside rule. Uh, <laughs> we'd often down at the, you know, at the dinner table move like the ketchup bottles or the sauce bottles, the salt and pepper shakers to try and explain it to her. Uh, my dad played a little bit. Um, my brother's never played. So it's just been something that I've always enjoyed doing. We, we lived in a small rural town, didn't have the opportunities. So, um, but no, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a religion as far as my family's concerned. Um, I do have lots of great stories about how I missed like uh, school several times to, or exams, including to stay home and actually watch the uh, FA Cup final on a couple of occasions, which I guess it became my religion. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, it wasn't a religion in the aspects that it was that way, but it, it's become mine now um, in, in a way that, you know, I, I do live it and I do love it. All right. But you have to get a balance with it as well, right? And I think that's the biggest thing that you find when you, especially when you're in this environment of a professional club, it's the balance of life and it's the balance of here. And this includes our players, our youth players. Our youth players here sacrifice a lot to be here, you know. Uh, and I'm fortunate enough to have my son playing here as well, but they sacrifice a lot, you know, schooling and aspects of social life. They may not be able to go to like, you know, your Friday night football games. They may not be able to go to proms. They may miss out on a lot of opportunities because we travel a lot and we're here a lot, you know. So um, so this becomes your life. This becomes your family. So I'm fortunate to have at least my son who's involved in there and be part of this family. I'm fortunate to do as well that my co-workers as well are so close and we, we work together and it, it's a good club to be in, involved in as we're a growing club. Um, especially here on, on the academy side of things. What is that dynamic like? Because I'm assuming at some point you were coaching your son at when he was younger. What's it been like? Because to be playing at FC Cincinnati with the club, he has to be at a pretty high level. Um, so what has it been like being like separating coach from dad and that experience of watching him grow up and pushing him to have this opportunity that he has now? He will tell you I'm the worst at it, which I probably am. You know, um, I did. <laughs> it's easy to be Monday morning quarterback 
uh, hey, it's easy to be Monday morning quarterback as a coach and you, when you've either won a game or you've lost a game and you look back on things. And I think in life, we always should be reflecting anyway. My, my number one job is to be a dad. That's it. That's, it's, it's, as he's got older, the pay's got worse because there's more money going out of our pocket, you know, now that he's driving and everything. So, and, you know, as a, as a kid, you, you got paid through hugs and love and when they become 16, 17, you, you, you don't get that. So... Um, I probably should have coached him on my own or would kept me a little bit longer with him. I didn't. Um, but as he's got older and he was a late developer, it's been tough. No, that's no shadow of a doubt when you have to sit back and you have to watch him go through struggles and you want to help him go through struggles. Uh, and that's hard, especially when you're seeing your own kid go through struggles. And I, I don't mean to, to say this in, in, a, in a demeaning way, but I think today's society struggles, what well, today's society of youth struggles when times get tough. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to overcome it. We don't know how to fight through it. And it's easy just to say, oh, it's not my fault. It's easy just to say, oh, I'm going to quit because coach doesn't like me. Uh, it's easy to say, oh, I'm not going to work out how to get better. I'm not going to work out how to get faster or get stronger because I'm going to go to somewhere else and I'm going to like do it that way and I'm going to go where I'm going to be the superstar. Uh, and unfortunately, I feel things like that is just setting you up for failure in life. And listen, sports is a great way of learning life skills, right? But, you know, the percentage of players that we're probably going to put through onto the professional ranks is so slim. But people that have had to fight through struggles, through sports, are probably going to go off and have much more successful careers than what I will have. And hopefully uh, they'll remember me as a coach and hopefully my son obviously remembers me on the impact that I've had on him to help him go through his problems as well. Um, some of the things we, 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 I've had to sit back and listen to him more, you know, and I think that's to, to any, any dads that are out there and, and listening that do coach their own their own kids. I think it's vital that you actually have to listen to your kids. All right. And I, I, I try. And in fact, I do. I know I, I do. Every year I ask him, is this something you want to keep doing? Is this your dream? Is this your aspiration? All right. And I think there's a difference as well. When I, I tell him this, and of course, again, reflection and always thinking there's a difference between dreams and goals. All right. Because I could dream about something like, oh, I could always dream. Oh, I wish I had a nicer car. All right. Oh, I wish I had a nicer house. I dream about it. A goal for me would be like working out, well, how am I going to get a nicer car? How am I going to get a nicer house? Uh, so it's the same for a kid. It's my goal to be a professional player. Well, what are you doing to make your dream come true or your goal come true? Because I could sit there and dream about being the next Salah or the next, you know, Messi or or the next, you know, Abby Wambach, you know, if it's girls that are out there, we can always dream about that, yeah? But what am I doing extra to make myself make those dreams come true? And listen, kudos to my son. He gets up every morning, he does extras, he does a little bit extra on doing it. I don't know what he's going to do in life. I really don't. I don't have a crystal ball. But I know in some aspects he's going to be successful in other things because he has a drive and he has a work ethic at least. And I think sports at least giving him that drive and that opportunity to build that work ethic. When you made the decision to move from England to the US, what what opportunity opened up and why did you make that move to come here rather than stay with like the professional <laughs> club that you were at? Yeah, yeah. It's a great question. And a lot of people often ask me, because as you can tell, I haven't lost too much of the English accent, I don't think. <laughs> um, so everyone normally thinks I've just got back as, as you know, I was there for like over Christmas and, and there a little bit in February. Um, and so my accent's normally stronger when I come back. So people think I'm just fresh off the boat still or been here like a year or two. So, but the funny story about that is I was only supposed to come for six weeks. I was only supposed to do six weeks of coaching here. I did six weeks of coaching down in uh, North Carolina. I thought, oh, this is great, North Carolina. If anybody that's listening has ever been to Grimsby and you compare North Carolina versus to the northeast coast of, of England and you see Grimsby, which has lovely brown ocean, all right, and not, you know, not, not a lot around it. So you'll, you'll realize that North Carolina will easily attract you in. So I was like, okay, I'll stay. So I ended up staying and then uh, for another, 
uh, three or four months. But after I went to sign the contract, stay on full time. I was in my Baltimore then for like the next three weeks. I was like, oh man, man maybe Grimsby wasn't that bad after all. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> North Carolina was obviously great uh, and dragged me in. I was just doing camps. Um, and then it's like, okay, again, built from there. Um, like kind of running a small uh, a club, like on the recreational level uh, for, for an organisation. And then ended up going to uh, Buffalo, New York to work with a club, uh, a travel club up there. And everyone's like, Buffalo? I actually love Buffalo. It was not a bad place to live. So um, I, I enjoyed being there. Apart from the snow was there, you know, seven months of the, uh, of the year. Um, so you definitely need your beanie there in Buffalo, right? So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed being there. I was running a club there. And then I just applied for the job as the, the state technical director. And again, I, I believe I was probably one, at the time, one of the youngest state technical directors working for USYS with Kentucky. Um, got involved doing ODP, obviously, regional level ODP. Um, started teaching US soccer courses um, and then just uh, just kind of done it that way. I, in some aspects as well, I, I think I've done my life a little bit backwards because being in an academy now, Listen, I'm, I'm no spring chicken. Obviously, if I tell you I've got my son 16 and he's almost out the door, and I, you know, I've raised him on my own pretty much for 10 years as well doing this job, which is which isn't easy. But you know, being a single dad trying to coach because it's unsociable hours and it's an un- unsociable life. Um, so I have been lucky to have him in that. But the point is, going back to that, it's unsociable. You work in evenings. You work in weekends. You know, so it's a younger man's type of job that you want to keep doing. However, thankfully, the kids keep me young. So, you know. <laughs> so you just, you're, you're doing the coaching thing. You start helping out with the rec program. You end up at Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, what even makes you even go for a state technical director job? Was that just something you just took a shot in the dark or... Um, you know, what was the impetus behind, hey, I want to go try this out? I, I think, so the state technical director job is a good job, right? You're a leader, you, you, you're, a leader, you're in a leadership role, a lot of administrative role as well. So you're not necessarily on the pitch every night like I am here. So that's why I said I kind of do it a little bit backwards, you know. Um, back then, it was a prestigious job, all right? Everyone, you know, state technical directors are, okay, yeah. So everyone has something that makes them tick, whether it's a title, whether it's money. You know, every coach has that, whether it's like, oh, I do it because I want the tracksuit, I want the three stripes, I want, you know, I want the initials on my name. You know, I want to get an A license so I can get more money or I want to get this. Everyone has something that makes them tick. I'm not going to sit here and not lie to you. I like the titles. I would like the titles. You know, I, I like it as like, I don't do it for winning but I like the title of people knowing what I do. Everyone has something that makes them as a coach or even as a person in general that like feeds their ego in some aspects. So the state technical direct positions at that time was prestigious. That's why, okay, this, this sounds really good. I feel like I have all the qualities to be able to do it. You know, I have, you have to have opinions. You have to have strong opinions. You have to be able to listen. You have to be able to lead. You have to be able to adapt, you know, so I'm thinking, yeah, I've done this because I've worked in a professional club back in England. I've still got some of those qualities, um, you know, but I still learn along the way. Sometimes I didn't learn quickly enough, like you don't when you're a little bit younger and you feel like, Ugh, what, what do these guys know? Um, so And that became hard for me sometimes as well when I was a coach educator. Um, because there's a difference between being a coach educator and being a coach. You know, coach educator, is, is, you're obviously dealing with adults. So it's like your ego versus their ego. Mm. When we're working with kids, like I'm working with right now, very little ego. All right. And of course, here at the academy, we don't have parents to deal with as much neither because we are on a pay to play system. So we don't have the parents coming in. You know, I pay, I get a say. That's what it is. That's what I normally like to say. So you don't have that issue on dealing with that. Um, so it was for me going in there, being the coach educator and not necessarily thinking, well, it's, listen, this is how it should be done. All right. 
I don't necessarily think that I created the best image of myself. So as I've got a little bit older, I've tried not to be that way. Like, boom, this is my way or no way. You know, and you can't be that way even as a coach educator. You can't be that way as a coach. You've got to be so adaptable within the game, right? So um, I think I was lucky to get the job as young as I did. If I have a reflection on it, I wish I would sometimes have taken more time to sit back and reflect on things like I do now. Um, I don't think as you're going through as, as young as, sometimes as you do, you don't reflect on things as much. Um, and I think it's important that you reflect on things and, and not just necessarily reflect on it, oh, I did this well, and this is what I did well, or it shouldn't be always be, ah, oh, I didn't do that well. There's got to be a balance. There's got to be a balance during your reflection time. Because if you're thinking, oh, I always did this well, you're not going to improve, right? If you think, oh, I always did, I didn't do this very well, you're always going to be putting yourself down. And it's the same as playing, right? So if I always thinking, oh, yeah, really, I did this really, really well, all right, are you really, really growing as well? You know, so you know, and if I think, oh, well, I didn't, no, I didn't do well today. I was, mm. you know, so I think you know, coaching is the same. You know, we ask our kids to reflect on the game. We should be reflecting ourselves. Coach educators, we should be reflecting ourselves. You know, so I think it's one of the things that I think for me was that was difficult for me to start off with because reflecting on anything is hard, right? Because it's just like you don't want to put yourself down, but you might not also want to build yourself up. What were some of the things that you tried to implement or that you felt like you got accomplished within the whole state kind of setup in terms of you talk about coach education? Like what some of some of the things that you tried to put into place and implement to improve the quality of soccer in Kentucky? We mandated coaching education. So I mandated it that everyone hated that M word when I first put it in. So coaches had to have a certain level of license uh, at the level that they was coaching at. Um, tough sell, you know, because you're dealing with volunteers who didn't necessarily want to spend their time or money going through it again because it's an ego. I've played the game or, you know, I've been coaching the game for 17 years. And what do you know? You know, you, know, you, you haven't played it. Or, or you've only been coaching for two years or something, you know what I mean? So, so hey, I'm a parent, I don't have the time to do this. So it was difficult, but that's, again, that's a tough sell to explain why the mandating of coaching education. It's like, okay, so simple. Would you send your kid to a school with a teacher who doesn't have any degree in teaching? Would you go to a dentist who basically went to school to be a plumber? You know, so it's not hard. It's like we're asking you to help them, you know, because they that, that's what you want to do. So we, we mandated coaching education, which I think was the biggest thing that we, we put in uh, during my time. We implemented a, a U9 Academy program, which took away, again, wins and losses and standings, which was, again, a hard sell. Uh, when you're taking away wins, losses and standings, like, well, how do we know who's the best player? How do we know who's the best team? How are we going to know whether we're going to get kids to come for our club when, you know, you're not posting results and scores and standings? And you was always fighting something in a different battle, no matter when you made a change. And that's, that's in general, right? Even if I now go out tomorrow, which I, I did tonight. So I did tonight. I've just decided with my, with my players, okay, we're going to change something for the weekend. The kids are like, oh, no. <laughs> I just got used to that thing, you know? So it's just like, that. they're not that bad, but you can see their heads exploding at this age. It's just like, okay, but it's a change. People don't like change, right? But the game changes. The game evolves. We have to change. We have to evolve. So, you know, winning wasn't important and all of a sudden after everyone had had their say for like and complained about it for a year it was forgotten about no one remembered but right now obviously you know the state association here has, has changed the policies about the tryouts and I'm hearing from all the clubs well it's changed it's changed it's not the same it's not the same it's okay guess what you're all still going to go to work tomorrow and you're all still going to your kids are going to school 
at the end, everything's still going to be okay. You know, everything's still going to be okay. And it's like your kids are still going to be on the path that they're going to be on. Uh, and we're going to help them still be on the path that they're going to be on. So, so that was tough as far as, as that was concerned. We, we added in a, a coaches clinic uh, symposium workshop. We called it our Sokolin University. We did that for about three or four years, which was a huge success uh, um, before I left there. Uh, international travel for ODP was a big thing that we put in, which, you know, that I believe that Kentucky Youth Soccer is still doing that because um, there's great value in international travel. I mean, listen, you know, people always want to know and, and learn from different things, but and I, I, buzzwords fly around. Right? Culture is a buzzword that flies around these days. Uh, but I think when you when you take kids over to, to Europe or South America and they see the culture, and by culture I mean, you asked me earlier, a religion. Football is a religion in a lot of other places. They're like, wow. Uh, and one of the big things that I always, always enjoyed doing was when we ever did international travel. Everyone wants to go to a Premier League game. Everyone wants to go to a Serie A game. Everyone wants to go to La Liga if you go wherever you go in whichever country. You want real culture? Take them to a lower division game, all right, where they'll see real fans, you know, uh, <laughs> basically coming up to the game and, and they'll see real players, basically. And, and the level has changed in, in the lower divisions. It, it's, a, it's a lot better now than what people think it is. Uh, but you'll see real fans and real players digging it out and knowing what it's like. And, and people say, oh, that's real football. But yeah, that is real football. All right? and, it's, and it's not tough down there. It's actually tough at the top. All right? It is tougher to be at the top than it is to be down there. All right? Because it's, it's tougher to stay there. When you get to the top, it's hard to stay there because everybody wants to kind of try and knock you down, right? In anything. So, so it's harder. Yeah. Getting in those four or five divisions and saying that's real football, it is real football, it's tough man football, whatever they want to say it is, okay? The harder, the higher you get, the tougher it is to get there. So, and that's the same here, right? The higher you go up here, if you go through 13s, 14s, 15s, the competition gets harder and harder. So, You talked earlier about um, the father-son dynamic and, and how it was hugs and now he's growing up and now it's like, hey, I need some cash for this and that. <laughs> what was it like when you, after the six or the first six weeks here and then you decided to stay, what was that conversation like with your family back home that, you know what, I think I kind of like it here in Baltimore or Buffalo. Like how, how have they been with you deciding, you know what, I'm going to stay here stateside? Uh, it was hard with my grandfather at that time who was still alive because I was very close with him. Um, uh, it was probably a little bit easier for my, for my parents. Like, finally, he's gone. <laughs> so, um, so, no, it was... It was um, I don't think that they took it too badly, uh, because I think... So let me, let me go back for this, right? Now that I am a father, it's easier to understand how a parent may think. One of the things I always ask of my own son is just be better. Just, just be the best you can be. Do you know what I mean? Just be better than me. All right? Just do better things than what I did. You know, so my parents always stayed in the same town. They're still in the same town. They're still in the same house as what I, I grew up in. So I, I think the concept for them is that my son is going out to go on and be better in life. All right? He's going to make mistakes along the way. He's going to do things that he shouldn't do along the way. All right? he's, he's going to learn along the way. But as a parent, you're always going to be there for your kid. You know, you're always going to be there. I can still pick up the phone with my parents now and say, hey, I'm, something's gone wrong, something's not right. You know, I need help with something. Um, which I wouldn't, but I'm sure I could, because as a parent, you never stop being a parent, you know? Um, so I think that, I think they was proud that I'm taking this leap. They're proud that I'm doing that experience. And it's, it's interesting that you asked that because, you know, we have kids that come in here, that come in residential for us and, and stay with host families. And that's tough. Now, where I, I have an, uh, I think I have a bit of an advantage when I'm talking to some of these parents that are coming in, 
that, like I told you, I'm a dad first. So I understand that concept of what it's like to say, okay, little Johnny, I'm willing to let you go, you know, and it's fine. I've got to let you go because you're going to go on and reach your dreams or going to go for your goals and you're going to go on. And it's like, I guess it's a bit like the Dr. Zeus book, isn't it, where it says you're going to go on to good places and, you know, wherever, and where it rhymes the, the, along the way. And, you know, and I think it's places you'll go is, is the name of the book. And it's a bit like that. So you, you always want something that you hope that your child, your son, your daughter will go on to, to be something good, all right? But to, for me, just to be better than what I've got and what I had, so. What was the draw to then move from, you know, overseeing Kentucky soccer and taking the leap to working with FC Cincinnati? What was the draw that said, you know, I think this is my next step? Um. I think I I love the state job, state association job. For I think I probably stayed in it a little bit too long. Um, you know, and there's people that have been in it in in different state associations longer than what I have. I, I wanted to be back out on the pitch on a daily basis, and I always think you know if you're a coach educator and you're not out there working with the players, how can I tell people what to do when I'm not doing it myself? Now, how can I sharpen iron and if I'm not sharp myself? So if you're not, if you know, so if you're in an environment where you're the only person, where you're only coaching to yourself, because other people that you work with might not necessarily be as involved in the game mentally, physically, emotionally as what you are, you want to be in this environment because that's what ticks you over. That's what keeps you going. That's what fills your fuel tank, right? So you've got to have something that fills your fuel tank. I could have easily gone back and probably and been a director of coaching at a club. Right? I could have done that. I could have probably gone to a club. But the draw of an MLS club, it's obviously something like, wow, yeah, that's something I really want to do. That's something that, again, I guess if your titles is what you want, that fills your fuel tank. Every, every person has something, physical needs, emotional needs, that helps them do what they want to do. Right? So for me, Sometimes when I get drained, and we always get drained of doing what we do, like in the fall, I had the 19s, 16s, 13s, and 14s. So I had four teams because we had a lot of chops and changes here with, you know, coaches moving up from, from the academy up to working with the first team, which was great. Happy for them, you know. All right, but here we are, the three or four of us that are left here trying to get things going. I was physically drained, mentally drained as well. Right? But then when you see the kids... And they're coming into you. Hey, coach, how's it going? That was my best American accent for you there as well. Okay. <laughs> All right. But, you know, so how's it going, coach? They, you know, coach, just giving you a high five, putting the arm around you, goofing around with you like the 19s do. And it's like, man, I love it. That keeps me ticking over. You know, this is why I do it. I do it for the kids. I, I certainly don't do it for the paychecks. Yeah, you know. But, you know, I do it for the kids because I always want to see the kids get better. It's the same thing, right? I said earlier, I am a father, physical, <laughs> true father to one son, but I also see myself as a bit of a father figure to all these other kids. I'm here to help them all. I'm all to help them all reach wherever their full potential can take them. And I think they need to see that. Sometimes as coaches, we can come in and listen, I think that's often why I'm very, very good working with the younger ones, with the 13s and 14s. But I also believe that I have the ability to connect with the 19s and older, you know. So, uh, and again, so I have to believe in myself that I can coach no matter what age group is, is put in front of me. So, uh, but that, that kind of, the draw of being with players every day, being in an environment where it's foot talked about football every single day is something that I just needed to be in just to like keep me going. Now, whether that's going to continue, I don't know, you know, because again, it's just like, all right, it's something there here. Now does my dreams and aspiration to become like, okay, now I want to be an academy director. Now I want to be this. Now I want to be that. I think, like I said earlier, Kids dream better than what adults do because eventually we stop dreaming, dreaming because realization comes in. 
well, maybe I'm a kid. <laughs> Deep down inside, maybe I'm a kid because it's just like, oh yeah, I'd you to be that, you know, so. That was something I was going to think think about. Now that you've kind of got into the entry level, is there aspirations or thoughts or dreams, as you've said, that maybe one day you become a head coach of an MLS team? Is there is that something that might be there? Or are you just open to, you just talked about a couple of opportunities like director and all these other things. Are you not set in one spot or are you just kind of just go in and see what, what comes of it? So we always, as we go through life, you hear like little quotes or, you know, that you've always kind of run by and everything like this. And you can say, oh, well, yeah, satisfaction is death. And you don't want to be satisfied in where you are and what you want to do. All right. You should always want to like, you know, go on and, and, and want to do more. All right. Um, you know, and I, I, had, I had a, when I was taking my UEFA courses, um, I, had a, I had an instructor, because I have coaching licenses both here and still back in, in Europe. And an instructor that told me, hey, Adrian, you are really, really good working with the younger players. All right? And you can see that you are really, really good at that. Stick at it. And that kind of stuck to me. So when you safety becomes in the 13s, 14s, 15s, 16s age group, right? It's safe. It's safe up until about the U19s, to be fair. All right. And especially for those guys that are working at a travel level and and are recreational level of what you're working at, you pretty much got to do something stupid to not get invited back next year as a coach if you're a volunteer coach, for sure. You know, so it's safety in the aspects that it's not on wins and losses. You know, but when you come to wins and losses, it gives you a new high. Mm. It gives you a new buzz. It gives you a new feeling of what you want to accomplish. And I think there should always be a stepping stones that, yeah, you want to feel that high and you want to feel that buzz. Uh, but you can still be the same person that you've come to because it doesn't change whether you're working at the highest level. Still not all about X's and O's. It's all about relationships, no matter what age group you're working with. And it's how you connect with the people in general. You know? Now, you can go on back to the thing there, right? Ken, you could say, well, because I didn't play at the highest level, people might not be able, I might not be able to connect with the players. I call that wrong because I think I can. In fact, I know I can. Right? Because it's still about relationships and understanding them as a person and what makes them tick. Right? Do I think I could necessarily be a good assistant coach at a higher level? Yeah, potentially. Right? But right now, I also feel like I could. I have a lot to still accomplish here at you know being what I'm what I'm good at. You know, working in the younger age groups, working in the academy. But I think, again, it's something that we should always still want to move on to do something to challenge ourselves because you don't want to get stagnant in your job that you're doing because even though I get a fresh team every year, I'm still doing the same thing. It's just different players, right? So when do you start challenging yourself as a coach? All right, so that's, again, that becomes your goal. That becomes your dream. What do I keep doing that keeps me ticking over? Yeah, I can say that my fuel tank gets filled by seeing the 13s, 14s, 19s, whatever, you know, enjoying life, enjoying football. But there's also another part of me that wants Adrian Parrish to get better. But there's also another part of me that wants Adrian Parrish to get challenged. Right? And we should always want to be challenged and get better as people in, in, in life. You mentioned earlier too, and I can relate to it, was the I was completely drained mentally and physically. And I know seeing the guys and the, and working with the players kind of helps fill that up. But what what are some things that you did when you got to that point, maybe outside the field? Like, what were some things that you did to try to keep yourself from absolutely like shutting down completely? Yeah, I need I, I need still to get better at it. I'm I'm no word of a lie. I had Monday off, and what's the first thing you do? You open up the laptop and you do things, you know. And and listen, as as great as Zoom is. Uh, sorry, as COVID as hard as COVID was, it introduced us to Zoom. Uh, it introduced us to working at home, which was a bad thing because now we don't shut down. You know, so COVID COVID had so many bad things in that aspect, but it had so many good things. You know that we, you know, so we were still able to communicate and stuff like that. So it's difficult in the aspects of like when do you shut down because. I can, I'm going to go home tonight, right? When I go home, and I'm not going to probably sit with my kid, and I'm going to watch the, the Champions League highlights again. 
So it's hard when your hobby is also your job. Mm. It's hard when you like have such a passion for the game because then you become a fan. And you look at it in a different way. You look at I, I can't. I'm a Liverpool fan, uh, but I can't sit there and I can't analyze Liverpool like I can FC Cincinnati. I've just got to watch it. It's like I'm in the cop or doing something else. You know, I, I can't watch it. I've tried. I've tried. So I, I, for me, that's different. But for a lot of people that don't understand the game, that's not different. That's still the game. You know, so it's difficult for sometimes it's hard for you to do, but that, for me, it's still a different part of it. Um, I do like to, to do like to run, um, which sometimes running <laughs> is still saying, oh, it's still part of the game, but it just is great for me. But I'm on I'm my mind of getting away from it, just getting away from it all. But you, it's vital, vital, vital that people do find a balance. All right. You have to have the balance. You have to be able to shut down as coaches. You have to be able to put the ball away. Uh, and it's hard because again sometimes it's like who are your best friends your best friends are other coaches mm. so what's the first thing you do when you when you pick up the phone to call your friend say hey how'd the game go and you talk hey I was training what do you think about such and such a player you're still talking about the game alright the, the, the advantages you are able to moan to each other about the game and you might feel a little bit better afterwards but you're still talking about it so you know one of the blessings I had this year was able to go home for the first time in a couple of years and see family and you know my son was able to get a couple of opportunities to play over there and just let him play but I was able to just shut it down uh, which I needed obviously after the fall uh, season that we had so I ended up having three to four weeks back home in England catching up with the family catching up um, but I straight back in it um, when you get back because you miss it you know, you miss it, but you, you, your batteries are refueled. You're energized again. Uh, you know, it's like when you do get your moments to relax, relax, you know. Um, whether you get five hours and you're lucky enough to take those five hours on a golf course, take them. I actually, I, I, I will tell you a secret. I do take five or four hours working in the yard. I find yard work the most relaxing thing ever. I get my fingers there, kind of digging in the dirt, pulling stuff up. It's, it's relaxing for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's my secret. You can't, you cannot let that one out. So, what does your typical coaching week look like in terms of like it's every day? Is it like you know two, three hours a night and and kind of mi- mixed kind of trainings like conditionings to fitness to like what's the game season look like? Um, is it similar to what the first team seems to be playing or is it more of a condensed schedule? No, no it's very different. It's very much like, so the first team season has changed obviously a little bit this year with, with the World Cup coming in. Um, so they, they started a little bit earlier. Uh, we start in August uh, and go through till about uh, mid-December. And then we come back in January and go through till July. So I do get that we do get most of December off. Uh, as, as coaches and players and the whole of July off as well um, which is difficult to then say you've got July off because it's also a decent time for you to go scouting with, with camps and events and everything going on uh, but you know we, we, we've got scouting staff that do that for us now or will have soon uh, but as we was growing we didn't have that as we was growing as a club uh, so yeah we're, we're also usually four to five nights a week and then every weekend uh, you know and 13s and 14s travel regionally and by regionally we're talking Michigan, Indianapolis, uh, Illinois, um, St. Louis, we're just in St. Louis this past weekend and 17s and 15s travel a little bit further, uh, you know, they travel uh, more, in, uh, more, you know, Dallas, uh, I've been in Houston, Minnesota, same as on 19. So it gets a little bit further as far as the travel goes for them, a little bit more uh, further distance and usually by plane, going to Maryland in a couple of weeks. Uh, so there is the advantage that I don't have to travel as far, uh, but even though, you know, it's still usually most weekends that you are, are away, you know, during the day, it's planning. You know, you're planning your session right now we're in that wonderful time of the year of evaluation process which, uh, you know, we actually do allow, or I do allow the parents to be involved uh, in, in our 
one-on-one uh, -on -one meetings with the players so the parents can can hear what we have to say but we make sure that the conversations are still being led by the led by the player uh, so you know it's writing up evaluations it's doing game reports it's doing video analysis right now i'm actually sitting in uh, our video analysis uh, people's room because i can't sit in my own coach's room because i have way too much on my whiteboard behind me <laughs> so um so yeah um that's uh we work with them. We we analyze our own game. One night, one or two nights a week, we'll do a video analysis for the team. Um, they do uh, strength and conditioning with our strength and conditioning coaches, so they come and do that. Uh, so we don't have to deal with that. Um, but we obviously are out there with them when that takes place too. So. The one thing that's been consistent throughout this is the fact that your dad first, then coach second. And listening to the schedule, it sounds like he travels a little bit more with his crew than what you do with your players. What's that dynamic like when you don't get the opportunity maybe to watch him play? How important are those, like talking about watching the highlights tonight of Champions League and taking and maximizing those opportunities with him? Or do you get opportunities to check within and say, hey, how'd the game go and et cetera? Yeah, do you know, do you know I'm not finally at home, actually? It was funny because he just got his driver's license where he could drive on his own. And I got up the morning that he actually got his car. Like, you know, his, his mum got him a car. Uh, even like, you know, you know he, he kind of lives with me. But his mum got him his car. And it kind of hit home on that. that um, I've done that task every day for 12 years. Simple task. Every day for 12 years. Minus the one year of COVID, right? He obviously didn't do it because he stayed home. And all of a sudden, I don't do that task anymore. So it was the little things in life that you have to remember. And it's also the little things like what, even, even, even little things that I do with kids, it's little things that when kids finally leave us as players and they go on to either be professional or they go on to be another coach or they go on to another club or they go on to college, there are always little things that you're always going to remember about kids that you're going to, ah, I just remember that. You know what I mean? Just the little things that you do. But so going back to him, it was that little thing that I was just like, no matter what, I'm never going to get those 10 minutes back every day of my life. For 12 years, I did that. And for 12 years, you took that for granted, right? Because you just thought it was a job you had to do. Well, of course you had to do it. Right? I mean, he could have got on the bus or he could have walked, I guess, in certain places when, when we lived there. But... It's just like, those are the moments now that you make the most of. Like, hey, going home and watching the Champions League. Like, mm -hmm. he, he got me up this morning and said, hey, Dad, do you want to do 30 minutes of yoga with me? Yes, I do. I'll do 30 minutes of yoga with you. So when you talk about balancing life as a coach, these are the moments now that become more important. You know what I mean? Those 30 minutes of spending at home with your family to, if you've got younger children, read a book at a night time. All right? to get up and do 30 minutes of yoga with your son and, and moan and groan because you can't touch your toes like you used to be able to do. Yeah. Spending those extra 30, 40 minutes with your significant other. You know, I, I, in some aspects, I'm lucky that I get to make all the decisions on how I raise my son on my own-ish, but I'm also unlucky that I don't get to share anything with, because it's, or help with him because it, it, times have been difficult, right? So, but it was that that kind of made me stick with me. Now, I could easily go out and watch him train. He actually doesn't like when I go out and watch him train. All right? He doesn't like me watching him train. He's, he's been playing a little bit more with the 19s as of, as of late. So, he actually, I actually like assist with the 19s. So, I'm, I'm usually there at his games. He doesn't mind me being at his games as much as he hates me, hates it being the trainer. So, I'm just like, oh, fine. Because, like, I will admit, sometimes it's hard to just say, hey, I mean, why don't you just do that? Why don't you just do this instead? Do you know what I mean? So, all right. Again, we're away from the pitch now. That's when it's time to be dad and it's not time to be coach. My dad, even though he never really coached, never really played, he was excellent at it. He never really brought the ball home, never really talked about it in the car. It was always about to be me going to him and saying, hey, hey, dad, how did I do today? How did I play today? All right. 
no matter what, at the end of the day, and I, I still do this to my son now, no matter at the end of the day, even if I think he played badly, if I think he trained badly, hey, I'm proud of you. Because I am proud of him. All right? Because, all right, again, look at the sacrifices he's making. You know, my dad was proud of me for, for other things. I don't know what it was for. Only could, he can explain that to you. But I'm proud of him because he tries. He gives everything he can get. All right? He pushes himself. Like, I'm just proud of all of these kids that are giving up their time for them as well. All right? I'm proud of them all that, on what they are trying to reach and what they are trying to do. And I'm, and I'm sure that mums and dads are. They're proud of their own little flowers, right? <laughs> because you should be proud of your own little flower more than other kids. But it's, it's a competition where you're always thinking, oh, I've got to be better than the Joneses. Because it, here it is a little bit different. Like I said at the beginning, we're not necessarily here to try and win games. It's our job to make one, two, three, move on to the top level. It's also our job then to make the rest of them try and be the best players that they can be at college or maybe another professional club, peer, overseas, wherever it is. That's, it's our job to, to hopefully that they will stay within the game and we give them all the tools to make sure that they can. This chat has been awesome. Uh, what are some ways people can connect and follow not only your coaching journey, but follow FC Cincinnati from top to bottom? Oh, now top to bottom. Yeah, I know that uh, FC Cincinnati from top to bottom, we are all across social media as far as, um, as, as, far as Instagram and as far as Twitter is concerned. I am old, Kevin, in the aspects that I don't know if they're on Snapchat. I don't understand Snapchat. I said, I have a teenage son. I wonder all the time, why are you just taking pictures of yourself and snapping yourself? I don't get it. <laughs> so um, I'm not on Snapchat. I am on Instagram myself and I am on Twitter as well. Um, and we have a lot of our staff who are great people to follow as well. A lot of our staff. FC Cincinnati is on uh, Instagram and on uh, Twitter too. Um, so, but uh, listen, and, and we are always open. We're, we're Part of my part of my job here is is or part of my job is obviously working with the affiliates. One of the wonderful things is about FC Cincinnati and should be a draw to a lot of people as far as as far as fans, players, parents, coaches. Is concerned, we're a community. It's about community. All right. So no matter where you are, whether you think you're in the Cincinnati area, the great and uh, great Cincinnati, the Northern Kentucky, the Dayton area, we classify our community as the whole United States. If coaches want to come in and learn from us, they're more than welcome to about reaching out to me. And, you know, it's an open door where we would love to have people come in, watch our training sessions, build relationships with local clubs, with national clubs, wherever they might be. That's what we want to be because it's about relationships and about how we can grow and how we can help each other as well. So. That is a perfect way to end this. This is Kieran with Coach's Corner Chats with Adrian Paris, and I'm out. Peace. Coach's Corner Chats would like to thank Fearless and Capable for supporting the podcast. Visit fearlessandcapable.com.